Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of the Dairy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Daring, and with me tonight is Green Bay Press Gazette reporter and writer, Doug Schneider. Doug, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. Excited to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. So what I want to talk about today is kind of a little brief prediction of Packers roster and what we envision it to be. And I want to take a look at Roster Builder and kind of first kind of briefly explain to everyone what it is and then kind of go more in depth of a little bit about kind of your thoughts and we can kind of analyze more about yours. So what I envisioned Roster Builder, what I saw it as is as a way for fans to kind of develop their own 53-man roster with the amount of cap space that they had. You had you send 10 guys to the practice squad, and you had to narrow your roster down to 53. I created this a couple of years ago out of, uh, it's basically every, every Packers fan's fantasy. I want to be the GM. There's always some pick that the team makes that I don't like. Let's see what happens if I put myself in charge and then have to deal with a salary cap and, and some other um, some other requirements. We have uh, position minimums and, and, and things like that. But basically, it lets you be Brian Gutekunst and figure out, okay, which which guys am I keeping? If I keep this one extra guy at another position, who do I cut? Um, make it as, as, as realistic as we can make it on somebody's computer. You can access it uh, at uh, our Packers dedicated website, PackersNews.com. You can also get to it through GreenBayPressGazette.com. But it's it's a labor of love. It's, uh, it's something you can share with fellow Packers fans, and it uh, spawns great discussions, including uh, – Sam's in my debate about A.J. Dillon in the second round. Yeah, and actually, that's one of the first positions that I want to talk about is the running back position. And you and I kind of both talked about where I liked the pick. The running back position is something that needed to be addressed because we had Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones up for deals at the end of this season. AJ Dillon, to me, I like the pick. It was a reach. I will give you that. It is, it is a reach, and I do think he's a guy that will pan out. Something that I did mention on our Twitter is that he is a little bit like a poor man's Derrick Henry. You're hedging the Derrick Henry comparisons now. That's that's interesting. I, the, the point you made, and, and I think it's, it's legitimately worthy of consideration, is that Dillon's combine numbers were, were very similar to henry's and his usage in college was was very similar i mean the bc i think you know had had dylan catch 21 passes in 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 three seasons because they just didn't throw to their backs my concern with the pick is running backs are more of a dime a dozen these years and so is there a need to pick one in the second round when the the two guys who've who've been your backfield for the last two years were were both day three guys who weren't 
college all-star types, but have been great fits. I mean, Aaron Aaron Jones has been a <clears throat> been a stud, and Jamal Williams has been a, a great uh, complimentary back. Um, the other thing is, in in one of the things I like to make people crazy with is that the guy you pick with this pick means you can't pick anybody else. And if you are a team that needs an inside backer, that needs a wide receiver, that needs a third tackle, and you take a running back, you know, now it's 30 more picks before you can address those needs and unless you trade up. And and I that's my problem with uh, with a pick. It's not so much Dylan's skill level, it's what what we couldn't do with that pick. Yeah. And like if this is a draft kind of securing the future, I would agree. Like I I think it's a draft that Goot I mean, we noticed that Rogers was regressing. So you have to start planning for the future. But at the same time, the Packers were one game away from the Super Bowl. So on our current roster, we now have nine running backs and I want to talk about yours and your notable cut was Dexter Williams from Notre Dame. And I, I actually do agree with this because when I was kind of going through my own as well, I mean, got kind of analyzing this position, this was a guy that kind of stood out to me as like, okay, like he hasn't proven anything. Like even when we had guys hurt, LaFleur still did not have faith in Dexter Williams. They, I mean, like you mentioned in your article on the Green Bay Press Gazette, it seemed like his upside, he has like he has tons of talent, but the number game gets him. And I think you're exactly right on that. Like he has talent. He just hasn't he hasn't shown it. He hasn't produced, which resulted in LaFleur and the rest of the coaching staff to just not believe in him. So I, I definitely agree with that. I think Dexter Williams is going to be a very notable cut. Yeah, that was considering who else who else is there and, and who else has to be there. And I think Tyler Irvin forces the issue because he is a kick returner who is gonna stay unless somebody else has a really surprisingly good good camp so um i love the jones williams combination you i'm i'm not cutting a second rounder nor am i trying to put him on the practice squad because somebody else will sign him so i'm going to be conservative with this i'm going to keep jones i'm going to keep williams i don't think the packers will i think they will trade him at the end of the cam- end of camp for uh maybe they can get a third but probably more like a fourth or fifth and, and go Jones Dylan Irvin and, and we know that you know what did what did running backs who weren't Jones or Williams last year I think they got maybe five percent of the snaps. And so, you know, hey, I'm willing to give give Dexter Williams uh, another year in the practice squad, but the number the numbers game just doesn't have room for him, especially when um, you have to keep Dylan because you drafted him in the second, and you have to keep Urban because nobody else was any good as a kick returner last year. Yeah, and I think the most interesting name that comes out of this these names that we've mentioned is Jamal Williams because we drafted a guy at 62 in AJ Dillon, a guy who's six foot, 250 pound force, 
And you have another guy on your roster like who has very similar build to him in Jamal Williams. There's been predictions all over the place that people think that Jamal Williams is going to be cut. And I, I'm 100%. You are right on the money there. I, I definitely think the Packers, if they're smart, they need to look to trade him because I think he is too, he's too valuable to be cut. And I think you can get something out of him if they were to decide to trade him. Yeah, I mean, they'll they'll get something for him. I, one of the things I did was go back over the the last decade or so, and you know, hey, they 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 turned Caleb Schlatter off into a sixth rounder. I mean, you're gonna get you're gonna find a team that's gonna want uh, a running back who's better than the guys. You know, one of the guys they have now, they will part with something, but. We know that in the NFL that blockbuster trades don't happen and 31 other teams know the situation that the Packers are in and then that's that they will have a hard time keeping Williams. So, you know, hey, it's a a third round or a third day pick will be better than nothing. Is it, you know, does it does it equal his value? Heck no. You know, he's got. He's got three years of experience. He's the most versatile running back on the, on the team. He's a, a good blocker, a good short yardage guy. He brings a lot of value, especially when prepared or uh, paired with, with Aaron Jones. Um, you do make a valid point that both these guys are on, on expiring contracts, but I, I don't want I don't want to feel like I have to make that decision now. But there's a there's another veteran I'm okay with uh, planning his his departure in a year. I think Jones get it gets extended, um, you know, unless the wheels the wheels come off. Um, one of the things I, I took this a step farther and, and and tried to redo the Packers draft because nobody seemed to to like it. And one of the things that comes up when you look at this roster is you're closer to the cap, the cap than, than you've been, you know, for all the complaining that people did about, um, about Ted Thompson in, in, in his later years, he was really good at saving camps, cap space. And that's been less true now for number one, you know, you, you draft guys like Kenny Clark and, David Bakhtiari, who, you know, earn themselves big long-term extensions, but eventually you're going to, you're going to bump up against the camp. So, you know, Hey, you had to let Brian Balaga walk this year, you know, even though he was still effective at, at right tackle next year, you're going to need to extend Bakhtiari Clark and a, a number of other guys. Jones, as you mentioned, are, are going to be an expiring deals. So where can you save things? And as much as I hated to do it because um, he and his, and his wife have been so great for the, the Green Bay community, particularly as, as far as youth, is Corey Lindsley. Um, but he's going to be approaching 30. He's had a little bit of an injury mm-hmm. history. Um, and, and centers are just getting paid ridiculous ridiculous guaranteed money lately we were we were talking before the 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 podcast that jc treader got something like 21 
21 mil in, in, in guaranteed money from the Browns. And, you know, Treader's a guy who's, who's been better since he left Green Bay, but he's a guy that, that Lindsley beat out. So I, I think if there's somebody that, that needs the, the Packers are going to have to say goodbye to, it's going to be Lindsley. Yeah, and I mean, I think we can talk about O-line next is I was talking, Christian and I were kind of talking about this, and the offensive line position is something that the Packers have always struggled with in regards to keeping guys healthy. And you hit it right on the money there when Corey Lindsley is a guy like when he's healthy, he produces very rare that he stays healthy the entire season. He's always hurt. And I think if there's one guy that one big name that will be let go for this or after next season, it's going to be Corey Lindsley. And Christian and I were talking last week that we're, we're pretty We have enough depth that we're pretty content. We could have so many scenarios with the guys that we brought in, whether it be free agency, the draft, or even guys that we still have. We have Billy Turner. We have him on a four-year deal. We have three more years left of Billy Turner. We restructured Lane Taylor's contract. So, he one, he'll be easier to trade. I mean, there's something that I always look at, and maybe if it's like when players are benched and you have a guy like Lane Taylor kind of mentoring Elton Jenkins, that to me not only respect, but I think that shows a lot of maturity on his level. So like the Packers have so many scenarios that they could kind of play around with, with the offensive line position and going into your offensive line, you've got the obvious keepers. You've got obviously our starting five. <coughs> Interesting is you did. I mean, we brought up Corey Lindsley and we kind of brought on both our points that he's, he is a guy that will be staying on the team but one thing I thought was interesting, Lane Taylor. What made you put Lane Taylor kind of over a guy like maybe Alex Light or Lucas Patrick? I, I think in, in this case, when, when you're dealing with a, a capped league, and it's, it's really true if you're, uh, you're talking about the NHL, which has a hard cap, is that in, in, in one way, the, the guy is Lane Taylor, but you also have to be mercenary and look at these guys as basically football players with price tags attached. And you, you pay, you know, you pay different amounts for different guys in terms of their performance and where they are in their careers. And so, you know, David Bakhtiari, it's something like 14, seven this year, but he's a, you know, a perennial pro bowler, all pro candidate. <clears throat> That's legit. Lindsley's earned a 10 five. He'll make this year. Um, and, and then you start getting into, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of no man's land where, um, you know, Hey, we couldn't, we couldn't afford uh, to pay Brian Balaga the 10 mil a year, times three years that the Chargers gave him, but we can afford Ricky Wagner as a free agent for four, eight. That's a little more palatable. You also do need some, some rookie contract guys on your roster. And I, I think that's the hope that, you know, I'm, I'm going to guess John Runyon and probably Alex light because of his versatility are guys who could, who could stick before, because they're affordable, but then you've got as we as we enter the season, Taylor's making seven figures to not start. 
And so while, you know, mentoring is, is valuable, it's not that valuable when you, when you need to get below a certain threshold. And so maybe he stays, you know, do we decide that the, the strongest lineup is your left side set, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Lindsley, but then, then are you better off with a Taylor at guard and a Turner at tackle? Or do you keep Turner at, at guard and, and your, your right tackle is Wagner? I think when all's said and done that Taylor still has trouble making, making the 53 if he's not starting. And, you know, you mentioned him as a trade candidate, and I think you're right. The salary readjustment makes him more appealing there. And, you know, for all we know, the Packers may have said, you know, look, restructure this deal or, you know, you're going to be cut before camp. So, you know, just in those, in those no man's land guys, you know, you can, you can afford to open the, the vault for Bakhtiari, you know, you can afford a, a decent second contract. You know, Jenkins looks like he's off to a, a, a good start. You know, he's on, you know, at a million and a half in terms of his, his rookie deal, but guys like, Taylor and Wagner and Turner, who were, you know, mid seven figures, those decisions can be kind of tough because maybe you've only got so much money to, uh, to allocate for the O-line. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that Lane Taylor was also, I mean, he still ended up starting over Elton Jenkins before he got hurt. But I think the fact that he was still fighting for a roster spot before the 2019 season officially began. So I think that kind of says a lot. And they, like, at the same time, it's not too surprising that they were able to restructure his contract just because of the situation that he ended up being in just before the start of the, of the season. Yeah, so I mean, inj- injuries are tough, and the player doesn't have much leverage in, in this case. You know, you think about any organization, you know, you're probably gonna gonna play pay the CEO a ton, but somebody a couple layers, uh, you know, below them is is not is not gonna justify uh, a super high high salary. And again, I really think there there need to be a couple positions. I I have them keeping eight O linemen with uh, you know Turner Turner Light and. and Patrick have some positional versatility and then you know probably one of the the swing guys the 55 man guys will be that um center Jake Hansen may get a little run but you know you you just you you price yourself out of uh out of viability there and and you see that when you know okay we're playing running back Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams they're obviously both legit values in the last year of their initial contracts, but you can't afford to pay two guys at that position, you know, give them substantial increases. And so that's a lot of the reason probably that they, they looked at it, it Dylan earlier than, uh, or running back in general earlier than we thought they would. It's it's simple economics, and I think one of the lessons here, if, if you really want to geek out with a roster builder, is you look at, you know, okay, how much how much money 
can I allocate to another position if I've got, I think this year's cap hits like 22-3 or 22-4 between Rodgers and Boyle. You know, that's money you can't spend other places. I'd shout out to um, Spot Track is a, is a website that does break positional breakdowns and, and long-term contracts and, and gets deep into, into yeah. dead money. So if you want to go nuts on this, that's uh that's one play, one way to do it. Over over the cap has some good stuff too, although I'm not as familiar with that. And now I'm done plugging other sites. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, Spotrack is an outstanding website that does a phenomenal job with that as well. So the next position that I think kind of stood out to everyone throughout this off season, especially the fact that we did not address it in the draft, Daryl Stewart out of Michigan State was the only wide receiver that we picked up as a rookie. So again, we have the obvious keepers. We have Devontae Adams. We have Devin Funches, who's on a one-year two-and-a-half mil. But if he stays healthy, he has the potential to make, what, I think it's 6.25 or 6.5 mil. You have MBS, who is, I think he's playing for a contract here. He had a lot of hype coming into the season because he was training with Randy Moss. But again, like this obvious, it's obvious this guy's going to make the roster. I think he's on a prove it here. You obviously have Alan Lazard and you have EQ Brown. And I think EQ Brown is a guy that I really think some people still forget that we have. And I think Packer fans are going to be very happy to have a guy like him back. And the notable cut you have is, to me, it's not really surprising, is Jake Kumaro. Again, he's a fan favorite. D3 guy out of Whitewater, which is, it's always cool seeing D3 football players making it to the NFL. I mean, the last, I mean, Ben Bartsch was this year out of St. John's. Mm-hmm. And then you had the guy, guy I always remembered from Hobart. He was drafted in, I think, the second round from Tampa Bay, Ali Marpet. And now he's one of their like top guys on that offensive line. So, I mean, 100% agree with you there. He's 28. I mean, Jake Kumro to me, like as much as a fan favorite as he is coming from Whitewater, we have other guys that they're just more valuable. Yeah, I it, it's always tough because you, you root for guys like that. You know, we're not we're not blessed with great athleticism. If we're going to, you know, we're going to make a team, we're going to make it by, you know, outworking somebody else, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, work ethic is, is an American value. But one of the things there is is that this team, especially if MVS struggles, doesn't have a burner. And I think, you know, my my shepherd pick is wide receiver six is a shot in the dark. Um, but everybody else is is kind of kind of a similar player. I mean, obviously Adams is is a stud and there's nobody here to compare him to, but you've got, you know, big, big guys, good hands, guys, um, you know, ESB is, uh, is interesting because of, you know, his athleticism and some stuff coming out of, out of ND and, you know, the fact that he was, you know, decent in a, in a good program, but he sort of fell off the radar last year because of his, his injuries. The other side of this is that the the readership goes nuts when I when I cut Kumaro every year because you know they they all love him too. You know we he's every man. He's us. You know he's our 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 sports fantasy. Uh, you know what was the 
the the guy in uh, in in Philly that they they made the movie about Vince Papali. You know, he's a a guy from the neighborhood who makes the Eagles. You know, so he's a he's a great story. But I I also think people you know tend to fall in love with that and and forget about performance and really that kind of last wide receiver guy you need to be a spectacular special teamer and probably a kick returner especially if you're not keeping seven uh, so you know hence the hence the, the the strong feelings about Jeff Janis when when he was that guy but Kumaro contributes on specials he's not going to take dumb penalties in part because he's not going to be in there for too many snaps but I had a guy last year um, you know <laughs> Kumaro didn't do anything until game seven and, the, and 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 this guy sends me a Twitter DM saying I I told you so it's like come on you know he he caught a TD pass but he wasn't a difference maker and you know in in, in a position like that it's you know among other things it's you know, Shepard Shepherd could be your your backup kick returner, your insurance for Urban if if he gets banged up or, or something else happens. And so as much as I like the story, I'm I'm not keeping the guy around for the story. There's one more name on this core position that you briefly brought up, and I I do think that his this name is gonna be a very interesting one to watch come training camp and preseason. And that's Reggie Begleton. I mean, Matt LaFleur was already impressed with him early during his off, like through his off-season workouts. He had, like like you mentioned, as we all know, this is a guy who went off in the CFL and made a name for himself and he found an NFL team. So I think Reggie Begleton will certainly be a guy to watch to see if he's one of the final guys at the wide receiver position that does end up making the roster. Yeah, and and now that I've 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 said, well, you know, I don't I don't love Kumaro's story, or you know, Kumaro's story is not going to get get him kept on on my team. Begleton's another guy who's at every level he's been told he's not good enough, and he has uh, persevered and and overcome, and he came through. Uh, what was it, Lamar or something? You know, tiny. Tiny program, not a not a football powerhouse, could be a great story as well. You know how do you how do you evaluate CFL guys? Who knows? But I, you know, he's certainly not going to get outworked. And you know, he'll chew his arm off for a a shot at a roster spot. I can see it being Begleton versus Stewart, your Michigan State guy for. A, a position on the practice squad, and I, you know, is 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 Begleton speedy enough to overcome Stewart's? You know, he's got some kick return experience. He he played a lot of specials at Michigan State. You know, that's that's probably a question of who has the better camp. Now that said, and you mentioned the practice squad earlier, early on, identifying pra- the practice squad members is is voodoo because everybody you got to cut everybody before you can re-sign them. Once you cut them, they can sign with anybody else in the NFL or the CFL. Or if you know Vince Vince McMahon launches a new league tomorrow, they can. 
they can sign there. So some guys you might want to bring back are not going to be available. Then mm-hmm. there's the, I, you know, I've always viewed at least some of the, the, the practice squad as, you know, okay, so I'm only keeping eight O linemen. It's a place to keep extra guys where I, I may not have a lot of guys at that position on the active rosters. Whereas the, the Packers, and it was a real good example of that last year where you've got Yash Nijman, the, the giant offensive tackle from Virginia tech on um, great skills, very little football experience because he didn't start until late in high school. And so, you know, guy like that may, you know, may have to learn some things about the game, but it sounds like he's made good progress. And, uh, a couple, couple of my colleagues who've done this with me, uh, J.R. Ratcliffe from the Journal Sentinel and uh, Tom Dombeck from the, the Herald Times Reporter in, in Manitowoc both have, have Nijman making the 53. They took the the chance with, with KB on Ento, who was a forgettable wide receiver at Colorado in college that, you know, he's 6'3", he's a burner. Let's see if we can turn him into a quarterback. And then they've got Mark, Mark Antoine uh, DeCoy from... Canada, who is, you know, just off the charts speed. I think he was the fastest, the fastest corner of, you know, anybody being evaluated this year. But, you know, he, he's in Canada. He hadn't played, you know, against good competition. He's already 25. You know, maybe he's, I think he's worth a practice squad spot this year, but you know, he's not a kind of guy at that age you're going to keep around. But again, you know, somebody you may like may get, you know, get signed to the 53 someplace else. Obviously, they're gone. You've got injuries factoring in. Maybe you're concerned. I, you know, I, I know under Thompson, the Packers have, have liked to have, they'll always have a developmental QB. Um, and then they've liked, Extra wide receivers, which was a little bit of a head scratcher to me because their wide receiver core was was talented and deep. And they've also liked multiple O linemen, which, you know, you, you develop guys. You know, Taylor came up that route. I believe Evan Dietrich Smith was originally a PS guy and, and now Lucas Patrick and before him, McCray were both guys who, you know, barely barely made the team and managed to scratch and claw their way onto the, the 53 man eventually. And, you know, I, I think Patrick sticks again this year because he's, you know, in addition to being able to play guard, he's probably the best backup center unless they want to shift Elton Jenkins back to his college position. And I haven't really heard from, uh, you know, Ryan Wood or Pete Doherty are, are beat guys that that's something they're thinking about. I mean, he had a, he had a great debut at guard and they obviously had some interest cause they took him in the second round and, you know, got, got the value and the quality that they were looking for. Yeah. Th- there's so many interesting names that pop up in regards to like, I mean, Yash Ninjman's one of them. Reggie Begleton's one of them in terms of guys who will, push to make one of those last few spots 
on the 53-man roster. And that brings us to our next position is tight end. And I think four is honestly the perfect amount. I think it'll be interesting to see the amount of areas they end up using Josiah DeGuara. I know coming into the draft, he was seen as fullback potential. I know LaFleur said he wanted to kind of put him into a Kyle Juszczyk role. Um, so, I mean, Jay Sternberger, they put enough, they have enough trust in him to make him our tight end one. You've got Mercedes Lewis, and you've got, obviously, DeGuara. You're not going to draft the guy in the third round to cut him. And then you have Robert Tanyan. And James Looney, I think, is a very obvious cut. Another guy, it'll be interesting, maybe, if we kind of keep him on the practice squad, is Evan Bayless. A guy who, I mean, he was he's always been a guy on our roster that was dug in our depth chart. Um, because, I mean, up until this past year, we've never really had an offense where we utilize tight ends. Mike McCarthy's never been, Mike McCarthy has a pass-heavy offense, but we've never had, Mike McCarthy's never really been a coach that really utilizes tight ends. So, I mean, Jay Sternberger is definitely a guy to watch. Again, Mercedes Lewis is always a great guy to have for leadership and veteran experience. And blocking, don't forget that. Um, yeah. It it would be great if we could take, you know, Lewis's ability to basically be a third tackle on on rushing downs. Plus, he, you know, he's he's still a guy who doesn't have hands of stone. You've got Deguara's versatility, and you know, obviously, that's the 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 tight end H back hybrid, whatever you want to call it, fullback is, is something that uh, LaFleur has, has used to, to decent advantage. You know, is it, is it worth the third round pick on somebody who's LaFleur is going to pay play, you know, 15 to 17% of the snaps. I don't know, but if the idea is, is to make your offense, extra versatile maybe this makes sense you know i i'd really you know in a in a perfect world i think it, it would be great to have only three guys kept at this position but i i understand if you intend one guy as a swiss army knife you know then then that's what you're going to have to do i mean i suppose you could call him a running back and then maybe you'd feel better about the maybe i'd feel better about the number of of tight ends on the roster. The thing I want to see, and, and, and we've had this discussion to an, uh, an extent with, with Dylan, is DeGuara played four years at Cincinnati, which is a, a program that's gotten, uh, gotten progressively better over time. He was versatile there. He had one carry in four years. Now, I don't think that, does it, that, that means that he can't carry the ball, but it seems like a bit of a leap of faith, and you know, hey, they're, they. It wasn't like they were were handing the ball a ton to Danny Vitale last year. But I, I can't see opponents really feeling like they need to respect the the idea that the fullback may may take a handoff in in the backfield and, and do something with that. But it, it's pretty clear that the the Packers have a have a strong idea of what their vision is for him and and how he will be used. It'll be interesting to see. It certainly feels like 
that's a position that will be substituted constantly. You know, maybe maybe a defensive back is a position is going to get changed that much depending on 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 down and distance. But uh, is it something that you know? Okay, so Sternberger's in. It's a passing down. Lewis is in. It's a running down. You know, do we? need to need to change up tendencies i mean it may create a a a super strong challenge for opponents or it may be a tell it'll be it'll be very interesting of the guys who were drafted this year of how this guy is going to get used and you know i the jury's out for me but you know i I think it's going to be fascinating to watch yeah i mean if you look at this draft class if you look at someone any of these picks this year that has a good chance of contributing right away, I think depending on the role that they put Deguar in, I think he has a very good chance at kind of making a little bit more of an impact than A.J. Dillon, at least for his first year. But that, again, that depends what the role they put him in. Like if LaFleur really does utilize, try to utilize him into the Kyle Juszczyk role. And yeah, no, I, I think that's fair just because especially if they end up keeping Jamal Williams on the roster where, where are the carries and remember again, a, a couple of years ago with Williams and, and Aaron Jones being new to the NFL, there were concerns about, okay, can this, can this guy, can this guy be adequate in pass protection that we feel safe of putting Aaron Rodgers' life in his hands and that was not something that Dylan was was asked to do in in college. I mean, I I saw a decent amount of him because I went to what is now an ACC school, and and BC just I mean they they preferred to run probably because ball control is so important because they're up you know that's a program that that can't recruit like Florida State or, or Clemson and you know, one of the best ways to keep your opponents from scoring is, is hanging on the ball. So, you know, they were doing a lot of student body left, student body right, but they weren't throwing to him and they, and they weren't asking him to do much and, and pass pro. So I, I think you're right that he won't get on the field as much this year, but you know, Hey, you never know. And I said in the story, especially if he blows up in camp, they may decide that they they don't need Jamal sticking around because, you know, he's he's thunder uh, Dylan's thunder now to to Jones is lightning. But you know that's that I think will be one of the interesting position battles. And then how do how do snaps get allocated? Because we saw last year that managing Jones's snaps and, and that was something I think that LaFleur and and Nathaniel Hack at the OC, shout out to Syracuse, did really, really well. Yeah, I mean I mean I wrote this in my article about AJ Dillon. I don't envision him getting as much attention his first year. He's sitting behind Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So I mean he's he's really not gonna get as much attention as he might as some people might think his first year. So I mean the so the last position position I want to talk about on offense before we move to a few positions on the defensive side I don't want to go too in depth but my one question is 
Do you think we keep three quarterbacks on the roster? I'm voting yes for now. I I tend to be conservative. Jordan Love was not Deshaun Watson, who had played a you know a ton in a in a pro style offense. And at at Clemson, he's 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 not fully formed. I, I think he you know the the idea is you know kind of a, a redshirt year. We've got Tim Boyle who is at the end of his rookie contract. He's still dirt cheap. The Packers have had him uh, for a couple of years. Uh, there's there's not a learning curve. You know, hey, if, if, if Rodgers goes down, certainly the expectations change for, for this team. But I, I don't see any big hurry to want to get love in there before we think he's ready. So I, I'm going with three. And, and part of that is I feel like I can, I can pull off the offensive half of the roster with six wide receivers. I know in, in, in some previous years they've started the season with seven, although they broke camp last year with six. And my my big gamble here is is eight O linemen when when nine would be ideal to how the Packers have done things in the past. You know, if if they were the Bears, they might be talking about trying to do it with seven, but that would be that would be crazy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for three QBs. Obviously, that's going to be influenced by how love looks in camp and how how capable he seems to be but i'd rather have the insurance um the other thing is that you know the the developmental qb this year is jalen morton out of prairie view tremendous athlete but you know i i don't know anybody who thinks that he's NFL ready or or will be after after one training camp. Obviously, there'll be guys if you know pairs the thought Rogers goes down. There'll be veterans out there who can be be signed to be caretakers if if that's what's needed. But you know, obviously, and every Packers fan knows this. That's not a not a situation you want to contemplate. So I I do see this both ways, and I think the fact I like what you mentioned that you don't want to rush things into Jordan Love. And I think it's a very good point. We have seen Tim Boyle beat out guys before for QB2. Now, is he a guy that I would trust putting in if Rodgers Rogers gets hurt to win you games? No, not necessarily. But, like, is he a reliable QB2 that has proven he can be a QB2? Yeah, I think, I think he is. But what I see it the other way as is you don't, draft you don't trade up for 26 to i don't i'm not sure where you have do you have so if you have three qbs you have you have jordan love as qb3 for now is what you're saying correct yes i i mean i i think love in 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 a three quarterback world he sees a lot of game day and active uh this year but you know again it's how they how they play this you know, you don't. There's, there's really, 
really a fine line that NFL teams have to walk with, you know, highly drafted young QBs, and that's that you you want to get value out of them, but you also don't want to destroy them. You don't want to be whichever Carr brother the uh, Texans took with their first overall pick. David Carr. David Carr. And, yeah. and, you know, so, you know, he gets gets sacked a gazillion <clears throat> times. You know, you throw you throw somebody in, you know, the Bills with with E.J. Manuel, you know, first of all, they, they took him way too early. But then, you know, then they, they ended up playing him some when he wasn't ready. And, you know, guys can get wrecked by that happening. Now, that said... With what QBs cost you these days, you can't. It's it's really hard for you to employ two guys who are, you know, could legit be classified as NFL NFL regulars, NFL starters. I think the Bears are Bears think they're trying to do that this year, but but they also can't. You know what it. You know, Rodgers sat for multiple years. Then Houston Oilers took Steve McNair, pretty much knowing they they weren't gonna weren't gonna play him until about his fourth season. But with what QBs cost this year, you, you can't do that. Boyle is is really an interesting interesting case because you look at the results he put put up in in, in college and. Connecticut was terrible and Eastern Kentucky was terrible. So he was hard to assess. And I always, you know, our, my, my colleague, Ryan Wood, one of our Packers reporters is, is kind of my go-to for, you know, okay, what are they seeing this guy explain why he's still here as opposed to maybe a quarterback with a bigger name or, or, or better record of success in, in college and it's like, you know, they love his, his, his arm. They love his physical ability. You know, yeah, he, you know, he didn't perform in college in, in part because, you know, mm-hmm. you, UCon- you had no supporting cast and, you know, so you can't always say, well, this guy, you know, okay, the guy was successful at Alabama where he's going to be good or he was, you know, terrible at a, at a crummy school where he had, you know, no pass protection and his receivers kept dropping the ball and blah, blah, blah. So I, I see Boyle at this stage is a low risk keep. I don't see him getting a second contract, but it doesn't, you know, seven, 752 K I think is a hit this year. So he's essentially on a, you know, somewhere between a, you know, a, a late round rookie and a and an undrafted free agent salary. What does it hurt if you can you can afford to carry a third guy? It probably doesn't work on a on a team that doesn't have this much talent because they need you know another. They need another wide receiver or they need a guy, you know, on, on defense because their defense is going to be on the field so much. So they're not going to get away with, a, you know, three inside linebackers or something. So 
it's <clears throat> it's probably a luxury only for playoff caliber teams like the Packers are. It it doesn't happen. <clears throat> the Lions. Yeah, and I, I think Tim Boyle's a very interesting name on the offense in general. Is I mean, I like that you brought up, I mean, in your in your article, <clears throat> is love the fact that we traded up to 26 to draft Jordan Love. The way I see it, you don't trade up to 26 to have him to not have him play QB2. But that's the big question. And you put it in there is do we trust Jordan trust Jordan Love to play QB2? Do we have two quarter, quarterbacks on our roster? Which is what I envision it as. And then you do we put Tim Boyle on the practice squad. <clears throat> Those are all legitimate questions. And I think I think the beauty of this pick in is that by taking the heir apparent <clears throat> or or who they, they certainly seem to view as the heir apparent this early, they don't have to play him at QB two. I mean, I I really think, you know, that one of the, the one of the advantages of this pick is that he's entitled to a red shirt year. He he sits, he listens, he learns. Um, I, I like that part of the move. I think that the trading up conveys that that they really they view him as as the legit guy of the future. It wasn't. You know, oh, we'll go out and get Josh Rosen because he's available and he's cheap and he was good in college. Um, they really seem to believe, and this is one pick, and, and there were a number of picks that, as you know, I, I wasn't turning cartwheels over this year for a number of reasons. I'm not ready to, to criticize the love pick yet. I, I think... You know, we're going to need to see, probably have him on the roster for two seasons before we have an, an idea of whether it's it's pointing in, in the right direction or the wrong direction. But I I feel like I see the strategy with that pick, and, and it makes sense. That said, I think if you do that with your first rounder, that your second and, and probably third rounders need to be guys who are going to be full-time contributors. I mean, I, I would have gone, you know, linebacker first day starter at, at 62, but, you know, there's a reason Brian Gutekunst is a GM and I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I think the big question is, is not only trust, I mean, do we want two or three, or do we want to have a third spot a roster spot for a third quarterback. So the three positions I want to go over for defense are... Can I just say something real quickly about course, that? Yes. One of the great things about using Roster Builder is it forces you to make make bottom-of-the-roster decisions like this um, where you're, you're thinking, you know, you're talking about a, a, a third QB versus a ninth O-lineman, um, you know, either last year or two years ago, it was, do I do I want an extra safety or an extra quarterback? And in terms of making this process real, um, that's something that I, I don't think most people think of or, or understand what a big deal it is. And, you know, you occasionally will read something about 
pitched battles in the in the meetings between the the coordinators and the head coach and the and the GM over you know do I keep this guy because I need the depth versus this other guy is you know going to be a good special teams player and those are those are really really hard decisions it, you know and and you know you can make your head explode if you're a serious fan. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely great points as well. So there are three positions specifically that I want to talk about tonight for the defense. And that's one, the D-line. Our run defense was absolutely atrocious this year, this 2019, I should say. I want to talk about the D-line, the inside linebacker position, and the cornerback. So the notable cut for me, I mean... I would 100% agree with you. I mean, more so not only because he didn't get in the field this year is too. the Packers have a history of not keeping guys that have had off the field issues. And Martravius Adams, it came out a few weeks ago that he did have misdemeanor charges. I mean, a guy like, like you mentioned, he barely saw the field in 2019. And like, not only be, I mean, he wasn't really buried in the death chart because outside of Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry, we, we don't have a whole lot of depth. Mm-hmm. And like Montrevious Adams to me as well, like that's really the obvious cut here. <clears throat> yeah. Um, <clears throat> plus you, you save a little money with him because he was a, uh, a third round pick, which I, if I remember correctly, nudges him into the seven figure thing. Yeah. Million Oh two six or something like that. So it's a way to claw back some some bucks, and I, I think, <clears throat> you know, third year, third year guy last year in his uh, of his rookie year, or of his rookie deal, you know, somebody like that needs to be, if not a starter, a rotational player, and he, for all the hype last year, you know, you ask ask any of our writers who's going to be the, the most improved guy or the most improved guy on. On defense, it's Montrevious hands down, and then he he couldn't get on the field even with you know a, a team where the consensus is you know hey we like Tyler Lancaster he's a nice story but we'd rather see him as the first guy off the bench than the the third starter. So I I think you know he was Adams was a really easy cut. You know, I, you 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 hear that the height, the the hope is maybe that, you know, can can Kingsley Kiki be the third starter? <clears throat> I don't I don't know. I mean, that's there are a ton ton of questions in the in the first two position groups you you mentioned. Um, I always felt like the the team would have been better with an extra D lineman. I think there was a year that they. They kept five, and and I also remember in the Super Bowl season one of the one of the very under uh, appreciated things about why the team was able to be consistently good, you know, better at the end of the season than they were at the end was they had <clears throat> some rotational D lineman. I don't remember who it was. You know, I think he wore you know, 95, some forgettable name, but they could still pressure the other team's QB late in the game and they could still, 
you know, you weren't seeing guys getting moved around because they were gassed. And that's a question that, you know, arises this year. Um, I, you know, it seems like um, with what little I've, I know about and have read about Trevion Hester, he was a decent free agent add on. He probably is not costing him a ton. And then I'm going straight upside for the sixth guy, which, which means Gerald Willis. And that's risky as heck because he got, um, he got booted out of Florida. Um, I think cause he, he was a, like, accused of stealing a, a teammate's shoes and then um there was a you know some pushing and shoving after that um ends up at miami and when he was on the field he was he was great but then he he needed to take a year off and you know basically to get his get his head together and and, and i certainly respect anybody who who does that, but from an NFL standpoint, you know, is this a guy that they can count on? And then, um, I don't know, last, last time I looked, he, he didn't have a number yet, which says he hasn't been able to sign his contract, um, you know, which is, you know, COVID related. It's, it's tough to travel, but, um, you know, I don't know if he's a guy who, you know, makes the team and makes it better, or if he's a guy that would have, you know, would have been out in the first cut in the olden days. Yeah, I mean, so the one name that kind of pops out to me, I mean, he's on your keeper list, and you mentioned him, is is Kingsley Kiki, a second-year guy out of Texas A&M, and he's a guy that'll be interesting to see if, is if they end up giving him a bigger role on that defense. Yeah, I... It, it really seems like between Kiki, Hester, and Lancaster, they all have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, Kiki is, is I guess, viewed as the better athlete. He's a little lighter than the other guys. Um, uh, Lancaster is more of a, 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 a guy who can be a rock against the run and you know, certainly brings the cliche high motor and, you know, was it, I, I think Northwestern gave them number one, which, you know, speaks of, of teammates respect, but, you know, there, there doesn't appear to be a clear standout and, and maybe it's, you know, third lineman by committee, or maybe somebody comes in and wins the job in, in camp, but, you know, if I have to make a prediction over who's number three, I, you know, I don't know that anybody knows. I, I, I got to believe there's probably a hope that it's Kiki because he's young and, and should have upside. But I, I couldn't tell you with any, any kind of certainty. I mean, this is all at, at this stage of the game. We're talking about this in early June. Um, we don't know when camp's going to open or what it's like, or, you know, does somebody get hurt or decide not to take the health risks and does it, um, I gotta believe that it, it, it favors veteran players who know how to keep in shape versus somebody walking in and going to have, 
you know, limited limited time with the coaches, limited time to to learn the playbook. I mean, yeah, they're doing doing everything by Zoom like everybody else is, but it's it's probably not the same um, as a as a coach being able to walk you walk you through a drill with a blocker or a sled and you know like physically correct you in in terms of a move you made so it just adds one other wild card level to this and you know i i can't begin to even guess how that's going to play out yeah and i think this is one of the most important positions that definitely going to be watched because i think this is a position specifically that definitely has a lot to prove um for the packers especially with the run defense and the second position is th- this one's interesting to me is there was a lot of talent available at the inside linebacker position and the packers ended up settling with christian kirksey i mean if i had to judge this offseason i i would say like it was good but we definitely could have done better but if we would have had i mean i would have loved Corey littleton but if we would have signed Corey littleton would we have the money to I mean, sign other guys. Would we have? Would we, would we have the money to kind of plan for next season? And that—that's how I kind of envisioned, like when I analyzed how the Packers approached free agency. Is they're planning for next year? They restructured Lane Taylor's contract, not only because, like we mentioned earlier, he's easier to trade, but I mean, he's a guy like he fought. He's he was fighting for a spot on the roster last year. And then you have Rodgers who restructured his contract like a year or two ago. And the top two guys next year are going to be David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark. So, And now you have Christian Kirksey who could barely stay healthy, Oren Burks who could barely stay healthy. I mean, these still, again, like these are pretty obvious keepers. And then you have Ty Summers. And I think the one name that really sticks out is Kamal Martin. And if Kirksey goes down, I think Kamal Martin could fight for a spot as the backup. There, there certainly aren't a lot of options. And, you know, it's, it's the position with the most uncertainty. Um, I would recommend that everybody take a look at uh, the story that, that Ryan Wood just posted within a little over an hour ago that looks at, at, at Kirksey and who he is and, and the fit and one of the advantages with him is that he's played for Mike Patton before. And so he knows, he knows the defense, he knows the playbook. There won't be, there won't be fit concerns. There won't be uh, blown assignment concerns. And those are, those are good things. The other thing that we're seeing, I think with a free agent signings is, the Packers are are, are following a, a bit of an analytical approach to the to putting the roster together, and we saw this in the off season. They understand that inside linebacker is not a position that you open the checkbook, and you know we've we've seen it in previous years where um, Blake Martinez and in in Jake. Jake Ryan were both mid-round picks, um, you know, early third-day picks. Um, Burks was a third-rounder, um, I think, because they they liked his his athleticism. 
Um, but, uh, you know, there, there was probably a lot of, a lot of, uh, double takes in, in check chuckling around the league when people saw what Blake Martinez got. I mean, he was, he made a lot of tackles. He was a decent inside backer, but you know, an eight-figure guy, not at that position. You know, you don't, you don't break the bank for an inside linebacker. You don't break the bank for, um, you know, a, an offensive guard. Uh, it just, you know, you you spend on the huge difference-making positions, which are QB edge rusher, um, left offensive tackle, and shutdown corner, and every place else you've, you've got to, um, you know, you, you've got to find a, find a balance. And, you know, the Kirksey, Kirksey has that, you know, mid, mid career, you know, he's still relatively young. He's 27. Um, you know, he's at, you know, 4.1, 4.2. Um, you know, it's, it's a balance again at a position that, um, you know, you, you don't want to break the bank for and And that's what I, the thinking is there. Um, but you know, then you're talking about three guys who haven't, you know, Burks, Burks's issue has been, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Summers last year felt very much like, okay, this is a guy we're, we're picking cause he's smart and he's, he's good on specials <laughs> and Martin, you know, he was a guy who was who was recruited as a as a quarterback and was going to Eastern Michigan until Minnesota got it. You know, got involved late, and I don't see people. You know, nobody seems to be really fired up about him now. He's interesting. I mean, he's you know got some uh, you know little little more heft to him. Um, you know certainly more speed than than summers and and probably kirksey but you know I, I didn't see anybody getting excited over that pick you know that said this wouldn't be a first the first year that the team had had added uh you know an, an inside linebacker after uh other teams make their final cuts um so that's a you know do you are you okay with Oren Burks and, and Ty Summers as your starters or Burks and Martin or Summers and Martin if if Kirksey were to go down? And that's not a position where you carry extra guys either. So, um, you know, it's not a it's not a next man up. I, you know, Curtis, Curtis Bolton's gotten some love because um, he had a good camp, I guess, last year before he got hurt and he was – a special teams monster at Oklahoma, <clears throat> but he was a one-year starter, and he's, you know, two. He's listed at two eighteen. Um, you know, do you want that guy in a in a position where he needs to be a run stuffer? I, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it right on the money when you kind of said this is the position. I mean, there's not a lot that has the most uncertainty is we have a lot of half of the guys that we talked about are injury prone or guys like Ty Summers who were buried in the depth chart, but never really produced. 
So I think this is the position that out of the three that we're going to be talking about is the most concerning still to me. Yep. Before we wrap things up, I want to briefly go over the cornerback position. Okay, I, I did have one other other thing to say. We Absolutely. we love the stories of the the guy who makes the team out of camp, and we've we've always had you know okay, um, you know a Sam a Sam Shields who you know undrafted free agent wide receiver from uh, Miami who becomes a you know an eight million dollar a year uh, number one cornerback for us and. You know, other, you know, the, you know, what the, there was that spate of, spate of an undrafted uh, free agent linebacker every year, you know, Zombo and, and J. J. Ron Elliott and Andy Malumba in, in succession. Um, uh, Chris Barnes out of UCLA, undrafted signee, major program, um, big enough. You know, the opportunity is certainly there for a guy like that because if, you know, one one guy isn't isn't producing or one guy gets gets hurt, um, the door is wide open. He doesn't have to doesn't have to fight his way through a second level of the depth chart. Um, you know, and, and and I wouldn't be surprised to see, um, you know, with the exception with the exception of Kirksey, the the four or five other ILBs on the, on the roster are probably going to get a, you know, a fairly equal amount of playing time in, in the preseason, uh, you know, so everybody gets a good look and, and the team gets an idea of what it has. Yeah. I think those three names kind of after Kirksey are going to be interesting to watch to see which one of those three, kind of does pop off in the preseason and kind of earns that right to be the backup to Kirksey if he does end up going down. For the quarterback, there's a few interesting names. I mean, obviously, you kept the, the obvious ones were Kevin King and Jair Alexander, but there's a few interesting names that kind of stand out to me. Is One of them is Chandon Sullivan. This is a guy that I mean, we've kind of read up on him a little bit through the media. I mean, the Packers coaching staff, whether or not they're going to kind of give him a bigger role or not in that secondary position. Another one is Kadar Holman. And like you mentioned, like the second year of an NFL player is usually the year where where they like you kind of. They know like how what they know what the NFL feels like. They know like what like how what they know the pace of the NFL. They're used to their position. I mean that's something to watch for Kadar Holman. And the third guy is I mean this to me is kind of an obvious keeper as well. But he's also going to be a very interesting guy to watch to see if he's a guy that we end up keeping long term. Is Josh Jackson? Yeah. Corner is almost a tale of two cities in, in on, on the, the roster that's going into camp. Alexander's been great. King, now that he was able to be healthy, I really think he actually didn't didn't get enough love from the 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 fans in in the media last year. I mean, he was he was legit. His numbers respected. The the Packers seem 
happy with Sullivan as as uh, as the third corner, um, and then after that, um, you know, boy, I, you know, the Jackson when he came out, the the knock on him was, does he have NFL corner speed? Um, you know, is he a guy that's going to have to be a safety? He had penalty problems in, in year one. And then in, in year two, you know, he's, he was good on specials again, but he, he didn't get a ton of defensive snaps. Um, you mentioned Hallman, you know, underdog fairly, you know, ended up at Toledo, which I believe was his only offer, not a powerhouse, not a major needed to do a year at prep school at Milford Academy, which is in the the area of central New York, where I worked for a long time. And it's kind of the, the middle of nowhere. It's like if, uh, if, if last chance you was about a high school, you know, a prep school, Milford is it, but <laughs> you know, he's intriguing. Now that said, he's in year two, he's already 25. He was a sixth round pick. So maybe he doesn't have a lot of a lot of leeway, you know, Sanford Samuels felt like my easy, I mean, I always make myself pick at least one undrafted free agent. And when Ted was here, um, it, it had to be two, you know, Samuels father was an NFL player who became a coach. He was, you know, a, a, a decent player on a, on a decent Florida state team. It wasn't like he went to Podunk U you know, he seemed like a, like a good signing, but I, you know, again, there are a lot of questions in, in what ifs, you know, will, will Sunderland, okay, went to Troy, you know, not a big deal, but he started it at Oklahoma <clears throat> and then got booted out over some disciplinary issue. He's, he's got good size, um, you know, maybe a guy like that sneaks in, you know, is, you know, can, can, can Decoy, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly because he's just so obscure. Can he, you know, does he have enough physical ability that he makes the 53? I'd be surprised, but you know, if you're talking about a six corner and it's, you know, another undrafted free agent, you know, a, a, a former pick who struggled his first couple of years, who knows? Or again, you know, do you make a trade or do you, do you sign somebody, uh, you know, uh, a guy they release overall, it, it feels like the top three are, are, are set and we can feel comfortable with them. You know, you gotta, you gotta love Alexander's attitude and how he plays the game. And, 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 and that was, I mean, you talk about, Talk about great picks recently. You know they <clears throat> traded traded down a handful of spots, got an extra you know an extra high pick, and they got a guy who's been really good almost from the jump. You know if we went if we want to want to knock some of the the GM's moves, Alexander was a was a really good one. But then you know, okay, Jackson. You know, it, it it's not like that year where it was Demarius Randall, and then uh, who was number two that year? Um, somebody was that the Miami of Ohio guy? Somebody, somebody you flamed out. Um, you know, it wasn't an offer, but 
you know, you look at you look at Jackson as a the forty fifth overall pick, and you say, okay, well, we need we need somebody who can who can do more than play specials, and you know, be like your I mean, fifth corner possibly. You know, you need you need more out of a pick like that, but you can't you can't hit them all, right? Yeah, I mean. The last thing is, like, this is the position I see, and I mentioned this when we had Andy Herman on our podcast a few months back, is outside of Jair and Kevin King, there's not a whole lot of depth. There's a lot of unproven guys with the potential to have a lot of depth, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, that's corner is really one of those positions where you you don't have a lot of you know nobody seems to have a ton of depth you know you get maybe you get a a, a nickel corner or a slot corner and, and the guy's effective at, at, at that like you know Tremont Williams was for for multiple years but it's 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 hard enough to have two really good corners but then to have three is is really a reach I mean that's one of those positions that seems like it's you know, the combination of things makes it really hard to play. And, you know, I, I think that having a guy like Sullivan that they can, they can feel confident about. Plus he, you know, they got him off, off the scrap heap. You know, he was a free agent after I think Philadelphia got rid of him. You know, that, that really feels like a win. You know, there's always, I, I really dislike the injury-prone label, but that's certainly something that, that a lot of people want to hang on Kevin King. And if he goes down again, they're really going to be screaming about it. Plus, there's a big drop-off from being a, you know, a situational, you know, the third corner versus being, you know, okay, you're, you're lining up and you're covering a legit wide out every play. Um, there's, you know, they're... They're big. That's one of the big leaps. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. Like the the cornerback is always an interesting position to look at as well. And I mean, the fact that we kind of let go of Tremont Williams kind of shows that Mike Patton has all the faith in the world that Jair can kind of step up and be that leader in that secondary. So that is actually all I have, Doug. It, honestly, like it's absolute privilege having you on. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. It's fun to fun to talk about the team especially when there's nothing to watch and you know it's it's the time of year when everybody's everybody's healthy for the most part and you know everybody's got a clean slate um nobody's nobody's having a tough camp and you know hey let's speculate you know if everybody if everybody does things perfectly then you know hey this is a a made-to-order super bowl team now of course everybody you know that never happens, and 31 other teams feel the same way. But that's that's why we created Roster Builder. It's you know everybody's chance to to say you know listen listen to us today and say you know you guys are dead wrong about this this player or this position. I'm going to do it this way, and you know hey sh- share it with us. You know share it with your friends, and you know I've I, we've seen some of, over the previous couple of years and I'm like wow you know I wish I'd thought of that and we'll we'll have our beat writers do it again at, at packersnews.com and greenbaypressgazette.com 
going forward. I think next up, though, I don't I don't know that we have a date for this yet. Is Olivia Reiner, who's our um, video guru, and she's going to approach things a little differently. And, and we may uh, we may do some video about uh, about the thinking behind her choices. Her stuff is just so cool because she really gets at the the person behind the player. Did a great great takeout last year on uh on billy turner and in in fashion and kind of you know who who the guy is under the helmet and and behind the number so i i can't wait to see what she comes up with and then uh, my boy ryan wood who uh who who just dropped the kirksey off uh story tonight is uh lined up he's gonna be in sometime sometime in july and he's one of those guys who you know, you really want to listen to because he, he's got some extra intel that the rest of us don't have and, and really has a good sense of how this front office likes to likes to construct a team. And he he will probably drop them some things that will surprise us all and and will turn out to be right. So stay tuned with that. Um, you know, definitely check in with Packers News because uh, we're still dropping good stuff, even though we don't have uh don't have actual practices to go to or things like that. But I appreciate the time and the invitation. Yeah, absolutely, man. You are always welcome. And be sure to give us, you and everyone else, a follow on our Twitter. Give us a follow. Keep following us, Dairy underscore sports. And as always, thank you, Doug. Thank you, everyone, for joining and listening to us. And stay safe. 